Welcome to the Swamp Flakes Podcast. My name is Brandon Leday. I'm Brittany Lombas. I am James Cohn. And I'm Hannah Rassinen. And we are recording in James and Hannah's living room in Mid-City, New Orleans. This is the podcast version of the movie review website, Swamp Flicks. I've been complaining a lot lately. I've been like a <laughs> hater on the show, nitpicking a lot of things. Aww. And then finally, we have a topic where I could just like blanketly enjoy everything we watched yeah. <laughs> fully agree right with all the like ideas <laughs> presented all the points <laughs> I, we should make a disclaimer that this is not a political podcast but right it made me stronger today, in my beliefs yeah i will the topic today it, it's gonna go there <laughs> everything is political we talk about politics sometimes yeah. we do but not but like we're kind of forced to go in depth today in a way that we usually aren't um and i can say that i just like wholeheartedly condone and like sign yeah. off on all of the ideas and all of these films. Yeah. They're all on all point. The, <laughs> ide- more. the ideologies presented in these films are the express opinions of the Swamp Flicks podcast <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> Certified. We're watching a bunch of trash propaganda movies for the most part today. I don't know. It was an interesting topic. I, I, I feel like most of the movies were infuriating. Yeah. But in a way that got me fired up. Yeah. Uh, Ooh, yes. It was thrilling. Um, hating that <laughs> so much. And I think that's kind of why I picked it. I knew that the act of watching these films was going to be challenging, but the discussion should be interesting. But we're also four people, I think, generally who agree with each other on politics. I don't know how useful yeah. the conversation will be. Just <laughs> a lot of commiserating, maybe. Well, what else have y'all been watching besides baseless propaganda all week? <laughs> So um, James and I recently went out to the theaters and saw Bodies, 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 um, which is a new movie by um, Helena Rain featuring Rachel Sennett, Pete Davidson, Amanda um, Stenberg, Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, and a couple other people. I just am abandoning listing all the names <laughs> early on. Um, so it's a very fun um, who done it? Kind of like in the vein of Agatha Christie and Clue, like a couple of people isolated in a big, big house. Um, but it's a bunch of millennials with like very toxic relationships with each other. Um, people start dying um, one by one. And um, everybody is kind of scrambling to figure out what's happening in the midst of a blackout hurricane. Uh, I thought this was super fun. It was just visually um, so like saturated neon. The music is really it's it's like very kind of club, like millennial club music, which is great. Uh, Lee Pace plays a older boyfriend of Rachel Sennett, and he is like a huge himbo and he's just great um and i absolutely don't want to spoil the ending um but i love the ending and sometimes in whodunit movies like this it feels like like you have the premise and then the writers get to the end and they are like okay well we kind of have to come up with something and it's it feels contrived this felt very like the perfect ending for this movie it resolves very well um so i would absolutely recommend seeing it and rachel Sennett, i loved her in shiva baby she's so fucking funny yeah, in this movie uh, she's a comedic highlight yeah for sure and maria bakalova was in that new yeah Borat yeah uh-huh. too. she sure was and she she's really sweet she has like a very reserved character 
all of the actors in this movie were so much fun. Um, so yeah, I would absolutely uh, recommend uh, seeing it. Also, like being from New Orleans, I'm sure we've all like dealt with hurricanes and the power going out. This like really captures that Ooh. energy well, mm-hmm. and like the way it's shot too. There's a lot of light of like from their cell phones as they're like walking through this dark house and the rain on the outside. That's it's just great. a cool vibe that I think anybody that's been through a hurricane can identify with. And we're in like what peak hurricane season right Don't now. Say yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that out loud, please. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. That's like the one time I get super superstitious yeah. is like during uh, hurricane season, I'm like, don't jinx it. Oh, I just like wake don't up every day. Don't talk about like, it. We're <laughs> just going to ride out these next well, that's, couple months. That's why I'm like, I'm afraid to watch Bodies, Bodies, Bodies until like post-September. Mm. Yeah. Save it for Halloween. Yeah. Yes. Which we did have a Halloween hurricane a couple of years ago. So... That yeah. was wild when the power went out and it was cold outside. Like a very strange. <gasps> oh, I remember experience. that. Mm. The only other like hurricane party in a movie I can remember is the first Magic Mike. Oh, McConaughey yeah. throws like a big like cocaine blowout is like Florida mansion and they all yeah. devolve. It's a great setup for like people just like stuck yeah. in one place right. and like tormenting each other. Yeah, and especially for this like this kind of whodunit because there is a clear reason that like oh the power's out and I don't have any reception like. People have these hurricane parties, so that's a reasonable setting. And then, like, inevitably, during the hurricanes, the power goes out. Like, that's just what happens. So it really feels very cohesive. Yeah, and it captures, like, the heat. Like, characters complaining mm-hmm. about how hot it is, and Ugh. you see them kind of dripping in sweat. Yeah, Gross. And they're just, like, drunk, and they're all doing drugs. And, but like- it, it it's a really funny takedown of, like, Gen Z culture. Lots of jokes about triggering and... yeah. But it's like a sympathetic, it's like poking fun at it, not like totally tearing it down. Yeah. I just realized I totally misspoke and said millennial when I meant Gen Z. This is absolutely (laughs) Gen Z movie, not millennial. Okay. Lee Pace is a millennial, perhaps. But yeah, it's it's great. It's really good. Uh, Brittany, what have you been watching? So I watched this terrible movie that I really want to talk about, and I'm I am going to spoil it because I need to talk about all of it. So, and I don't want anyone to ever have to watch this. <laughs> oh, no. So it's, it's not doing service. it's not doing anyone a disservice. Um, <laughs> it's a a film called Switch from 1991, directed by Blake Edwards, who did all of the uh, Pink Pan- Pink Panther movies. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I was kind of pumped for it, like on the cover. Um, it was I saw it when I was like browsing through HBO. There's like a gu- like a gun, and then a guy on the top, and a woman hanging off in men's clothes with her her man pants down. And I was like, oh, this looks quirky. And it stars like Ellen Barkin. And oh gosh, so the film <laughs> opens up, and there's this guy who um is like a business douche from the early '90s. And there's three women who are like welcoming him into a room and they're all like, ooh, we're so glad you're here. And they all like make out with him. And I'm like, what's happening? This is like highly sexual, like from like the get go. And then they lure him into a bathtub and they start like getting naked and stuff. Not a bathtub, a jacuzzi. Mm. And then they kill him. And it turns out it was all of his like ex-girlfriends and they kill him because he's an asshole to all of them. and he dies and then he can't go to heaven because of how he treats women oh my god so god is like okay so i'm gonna send you back to earth as a woman and you have to make a woman love you 
so you could come to heaven. And if not, you're going to spend eternity in hell. I'm sorry, but I have to watch this. <laughs> that actually sounds really good. Yeah. It's a great setup. So, You're selling it. <laughs> so uh, he comes back to Earth as in Ellen Barkin's body, and she's very, like, you know, has, like, that cool smoker voice and is, you know, like, rough, like, from the Bronx kind of chick. And she tries to, like, she tells everyone that she's, like, um, the sister of the, the man who died that she is and she starts hanging out with his best friend and lots of quirky shit happens but the 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 part of it that blew me away was like towards the end her and his best friend like start to like hit it off and he's like you know i always thought that like you were you know, better than me. Cause he kind of believes that it's his friend in this woman's body. But at the same time, he's like, Oh, it's a hot woman. And they get wasted and he date rapes his friend oh as God. a woman. And then, um, she gets pregnant. What? And then she goes to a mental institution. Wow. Because, what? um, they find like the dead body, like his originally dead body. And in court, She's like, I'm Steve. Like, it's me. I'm just in this woman's body. And they're like, yeah, committed. So then Steve goes, Steve as the woman, goes to a mental institution, pregnant. And then his friend marries him because he's pregnant. And then he gives birth to the baby in the mental institution and then dies during childbirth. Then he, But he goes to heaven because he, like, the baby is a girl and a girl that loves him. What? what? Oh, my God. <laughs> Brittany, this sounds amazing. What are you <laughs> just, What's the problem? <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, maybe. No, no, no. It, just, no. it was just <laughs> so, like, <laughs> at first it was, like, the first, like, I, I, more than half of the movie, it's like, ooh, how how crazy is it if a man is in a woman's body Yeah, kind of stuff? And right. then it got gets real real fast where i'm like what 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 i like that it went there though it take <sighs> took it to the extreme I, I like when it feels like someone was writing like erotic fiction and it just got like <laughs> just got out of control yeah. and became yeah. a movie by accident well i would love for everyone to watch it and give me your opinion i mean it yes. sounds horrible but i Definitely. like in a train wreck kind of way where i have it's to a, see it, it yeah. it's just insane where i'm like what happened at the end of this movie and i don't know if i was supposed to learn a lesson i do have to say if if you walk into a room and all of your ex-girlfriends are there, that should just be a red flag, you know? <laughs> You're going like, to die. Yeah, right. that's, like, this isn't good, you know? I don't know that they all know each other. Uh, <laughs> this, I'm going to leave, you know? So, yeah, I watched that. And also, I don't want to talk about it too much because there's not that much to say about it. I, I watched <laughs> Jurassic World Dominion. Mm. I like Jurassic Park movies because of the dinosaurs. Yeah. And... There weren't enough dinosaurs in this one. <gasps> they, what? They focused like the big focus was like um, genetically engineered locusts. What? Which Ooh. I thought was so lame. And I'm like, yeah. I want dinosaurs, right? man. And I don't want Chris Pratt anywhere in these scenes. It just, I didn't understand. Like the plot didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't care about it. I just wanted to like watch these dinosaurs like interact in like environments with humans. Um, and then um, there's some very cheesy moments where it's like, we just all need to live in harmony. And there's like horses running through like Montana mm. with um, like brontosaurus <laughs> and or no, no, with raptors. Yeah. And then like there's a brontosaurus <laughs> walking with elephants on an African sunset. And I'm like, oh, this is so bizarre. I was into it. That part. 
that's what the series should have been. It was right? supposed to be like the dinosaurs get out of the park and like integrate with the world. Yeah. yeah. It was just lame. I didn't. It was yeah. like, let's let's get Laura Dern in here and Sam Neill and Jeff Goldblum yeah. and make it fun. And it didn't work and it wasn't fun. I've um, not seen a single person come to that movie's defense yet. I've only heard negative things no, from anyone who's yeah, seen it. Because there's not enough dinosaurs. But they do show some like in, in recent you know the past like couple of years like there's been more like discoveries like oh they probably more dinosaurs probably had like feathers and things mm-hmm. like that and there's a dinosaur with feathers that yeah. looks really cool and has these like big old talon claws mm-hmm. doesn't it like swim too it does not swim it does not swim okay. but they do have swimming okay big swimming dinosaurs that do live with the whales but in, oh. harmony. in harmony i was in excited though because the, the trailer shows the raptors like out in the street if it's like rome or paris or yeah like oh, I was Malta. excited. Yeah. That's what I want. I want the like dinosaurs out in cities. Well, that yeah. part's actually kind of cool. They go to Malta and there's like this underground like illegal breeding of dinosaurs that shouldn't be mm-hmm. happening. So people are like selling them on the black market. <laughs> I thought that was kind of oh. neat, yeah. but it's okay. Um, I really like the Lost World. The uh, second, the second one. Yeah, when he gets yeah. loose in San Diego, that is a great sequence. Like yeah. really fun. And I would love more like modern dinosaurs like in the city yeah well you might like this stuff. one no was I won't. It, wasn't <laughs> that still that was still spielberg right yeah it was well, have you okay. watched, him is like trashy watched, like um, cruel mode we're back are you a we're back fan Not it's animated kid, dinosaurs yeah. well they're in the city yeah but you'd be into it i watched that new um i watched new i watched the like 1999 godzilla with matthew broderick recently oh, oh, that yeah. one's great and they were obviously the just soundtrack. trying to do jurassic park in the city like the Godzilla aspect of it has nothing to do with that monster at all. It's like, uh, if you wanted a T-Rex and raptors running around New York City, everyone would have been on board with that. People are just mad yeah. at you because they respect Godzilla too much. Yeah. So, well, what have you been watching since, you know, any dinosaurs in the city? <laughs> I did go to the theater to see an anime film. Only, like, two anime movies I've seen in the theater so far this year were both uh, musicals like pop musicals, which was interesting. Oh, uh, I saw Inuo. I don't know if y'all saw the trailers for that. I oh saw no, a I saw the, for yeah. it at the theater. It looked yeah. cool. It is very cool. It's Ooh. one of my favorite things I've seen all year. It's set in like feudal Japan, and there are all these like traveling priests who play these instruments called biwas, and they're, they're basically like, guitar shaped instruments. Um, and when they play them, you hear rock and roll music. Um, like it's kind of like a modernized musical set in like a historical setting. Um, and it's got this whole glam rock trajectory mm-hmm. where like Ooh. these two people become friends. One is a blind Biwa priest and the other is just this like local freak, which I probably shouldn't be saying because they're like a physically deformed person that their family oh, is like no. rejected. Okay. But it's, it's like a fantastical version of that where like their eyes and mouth and limbs are misshapen and misplaced on their body and they shift around and like mutate. Um, so it's not like a real affliction a person would have, but it is kind of like, this is what would happen if someone was born with like physical deformities. They'd be like raised with the dogs in the yard um, instead Oof. of with the, their brothers inside. And through friendship and through rock and roll, these two like disabled people meet each other and become these like sexual gods to like the local masses who usually go to these very polite biwa concerts and like mm-hmm. listen to this like very traditionalist music instead they're playing these like rock and roll anthems and they become more confident in themselves and they start pushing the boundaries of their gender identity and like amazing it's like a david bowie iggy pop prince kind of like rock god mm-hmm. like thing they find this like power through rock and roll 
And then the fascists at the top take notice and like stomp them down yeah. again. So like, I don't know. It's a really beautiful, exciting, fun movie. The director, his name's um, Masaki Yusa. He did um, Night is Short, Walk on Girl a few years ago. And he also did Mind Game, which is like a very popular anime movie. Um, and his stuff is like very psychedelic. So like, cool. Man, just like really expressive awesome. filmmaking. Yeah. I don't know. That one and Neptune Frost were like my two favorite movies I've seen so far this year. And they're both like these like political resistance movies that are also musicals. And like the political resistance extends beyond like just fighting the the man. It's It's also like redefining sexual and gender politics mm-hmm. and like kind of like from the ground up revolutions through music i don't know i found both of those movies like very emotionally satisfying yeah i also didn't say the other anime film i saw this year there's a musical is bell which was also very pretty Ooh, and, yeah. yeah in uo i i found it phenomenal it was kind of incredible it was in amc theaters because like every showtime i looked at it was completely empty i think one other person showed up when i at my screening um, so it must have just been a slow week, but I'm very glad they pushed it into wide release because uh, it was great to see on the big screen. Hmm. Nice. Is it still in the theater? No, I think it's like a one week run. Ah, yeah. Rats. Yeah, because we we walked by that poster yeah. all the time. We're like, man, that looks Ooh, good. Cool. We got to go see that. Yeah. And I think you actually texted me, but I was at work. Yeah. Like, Damn it. I really wanted to see that. That was the main reason I haven't seen Bodies, Bodies, Bodies yet. I was like, well, that'll be around one more. Yeah, week. It'll absolutely. Be like, well, jump on that. Um, what have you been watching, James? So me and Hannah have been watching this really fantastic miniseries on HBO Max called The Last Movie Stars. Uh, it's made by Ethan Hawke, and it is about the lifelong marriage relationship of Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. And it's just a lot of old like footage from their movies, and peop- you know, and they've uncovered the transcripts of this. Uh, these interviews that Paul Newman and her gave that apparently he had tried to burn, but they recovered it. And he gets his actors friend, actor friend like George Clooney and other people to like reenact the interviews and kind of the trajectory. We're about halfway through it. And it's been sort of fascinating because I had never heard of Joanne Woodward and she was a very big movie star who had her star sort of eclipsed by Paul Newman over time. And so I've been kind of going back and trying to watch some of her movies. And she is phenomenal. She is like such a presence on screen. And I think my favorite one that I've watched so far is um, A Kiss Before Dying. Oh, I love that novel. Uh, the yeah, Iron it is Levin based book. on a novel. Yeah. yeah. He wrote Rosemary's Baby and... Uh-huh. Um, Stepford Wives. Yeah, all of his novels. Like while you're reading, they're like, "This would make a great movie." And then <laughs> half of them have been adapted. Yeah, yeah. And so this came out in '56, uh, and it stars Robert Wagner and has Joanne Woodward, who basically he's this like kind of guy that comes from a poor family, and she comes from this very rich family, and they're kind of casually dating, but she becomes pregnant, and he is like freaked out it's very clear that he does not want to have this child and he's like she wants to get married and start a family and he is not about that at all so he pretty much immediately starts planning uh, (laughs) to kill her and it's very it's very delicious the first like hour of the film is her like 
fawning over him and oh you know i can't wait to start a family with you and just look in his face like i need to kill this girl immediately you know there's a very funny scene in the beginning where she like trips in the bleachers and he like doesn't try to catch her he like sort of gives her a little nudge <laughs> and then she's like okay he's like damn it <laughs> like then he sneaks into um the chemistry lab to get some arsenic and that's a very like tense scene because he's sneaking in while other people are in and he tries to poison her and that falls through and eventually he's run out of options and it's the day of the marriage and they're at the um courthouse courthouse uh, yeah to get married and you know they show up at the wrong time because he planned it that way he's like oh you know they don't open for another 15 minutes like let's go on the roof and have a smoke <laughs> And they go up there and, you know, and again, she doesn't know what's going on. She's like kissing him like, oh, I can't wait. Like, this is so great. We're going to start a life. Just pushes her off the top of the building to her death. And like, it was just this holy shit moment. I was like, oh my God, like that was extreme. So the first, really the first half of this film was phenomenal. And it is so funny and tense. And it's like, this diabolical melodrama. But unfortunately, once Joanne Woodward is out of the picture, then it starts to become about her sister that he also starts a thing with. And then this professor is investigating him and it, it just kind of loses all its tension. Uh, but man, for that like first hour that she's in this movie and the relationship between the two of them, it's so much fun. And it does sort of recover at the end and it's totally worth the watch, but Joanne Woodward, I, I definitely am a fan and going to kind of continue watching more of her stuff. Still need to see three faces of Eve, which yeah. got her the, uh, yeah. the Oscar. Is that the uh, multiple personality one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ugh. But th this one, if you're a fan of like melodramatic stuff and like true mm -hmm. crime, it's a very Britney stuff, movie. Yeah. yeah you, <laughs> yes. you would totally dig it. Oh man. I'm pumped. I just added it to my watch list. The yeah. book is also a very quick read, and it's so darkly funny. Like, because you get a lot of like what he's thinking minute to minute. It's mm. like because planning their, her death, and <laughs> it's got almost like a talented Mr. Ripley kind of thing. He's like lying uh -huh. about who he is at all times. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of documentaries about powerful women, I don't know how to do. <laughs> how to get out <laughs> I was of this. How are you going <laughs> to make that connection? Uh, we're going to talk about Hillary Clinton, sort of for sort a minute. Of. Oh. <laughs> In name only, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get in. We'll get into all that. It's it's gonna be a very very interesting <laughs> set of movies here. It's all propaganda. It's all coming for different topics from different angles, mm -hmm. though. So it's not like we like treaded the same territory over and over again. Thank God. Thank yeah. God. It would have really ground me into the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and all that's coming up to you right now. Do you ever sneak into the back of the movie theater and watch your own movie? I do, and the, the sight of people just standing up and applauding at the end and tears streaming around their cheeks. Megan, it's the most beautiful feeling in the world. And then do you sneak out, or do you proudly walk the aisles like, Dinesh D'Souza, does, does anyone know me? Uh, well, it's, uh, you know, sometimes I'm in the back of the theater and no one knows I'm there, and it's really fun to watch. Those, that's probably the best, because I'm <laughs> seeing people's unedited reactions. <laughs> it would be nice to have some hugs after the fact if they love it. Like I said earlier, this is not a political podcast what do you mean by that in the sense that we it's about film and of course politics come out when we talk about films but we never have specific 
episodes about like I don't know our political leanings or it's not our it's not our main expertise. thing. No, yeah. it's not. Right. It's a film podcast, but you can't help but you know we've done as many episodes as we have. That stuff just kind of comes out. But I watched a documentary about a month ago. It was called "The Brainwashing of My Dad," and it's about a woman who documents how her father, who was kind of like a moderate, maybe left-leaning Democrat, slowly over time through like Rush Limbaugh and Fox News is now like a far-right conspiracy theory. And it was just kind of documenting like, how did that happen? Like what in the media landscape changed? And it was like talk radio and Fox News. And and so, you know, it got me thinking about about documentaries and how, especially with political documentaries, if you think about like Michael Moore, they have a political angle. It's an agenda. And in a way, I guess you could call it propaganda. Michael Moore, definitely. Because he like is very selective with his facts mm-hmm. and like how he presents them. But it's like cheeky. He's like, he know he's knowingly right. kind of manipulating you. It's like almost like an in-joke. So like, that was already kind of swirling in my head. And then as I'm thinking about that, like the January 6th hearings have been going on for a while. And this Dinesh D'Souza documentary, 2000 Mules, that came out this year has actually been brought up in the hearings. Like they asked the old attorney general, William Barr, about it. And he, you know, in this interview says it's nonsense. <laughs> but I've seen other interviews with people that have stormed the Capitol um, the insurrectionists that claimed that this movie maybe not inspired them to do that because it came out this year, but it affirms what they already believed. And so going back through the films that Dinesh has made, they're wildly popular amongst the right. I mean, if the left has Michael Moore, it seems like Dinesh D'Souza is the right's answer to that yeah he's like copying his filmmaking style deliberately yeah i mean the one he made about obama was the highest grossing conservative documentary of all time and it was the highest grossing documentary from that year the one we're going to talk about today about hillary clinton was running up to the election and you know you could make the case that it might have influenced people that were kind of on the fence about hillary to vote for trump and so it's like, okay, this guy's documentaries have an impact, and they are technically films um, <laughs> that have like a, a major impact, and I've never seen one. So I was like, okay, like I need to explore this further. So the one we decided on, because we're not going to watch 2,000 Mules, because you have to pay 20 bucks on his website. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. And he's a grifter. I'm not giving this guy any money. He's a felon. And he's a, <laughs> right. Right. We'll definitely get into that, too. Um, So the one we decided to pick was Hillary's America, the secret history of the Democratic Party (laughs) from from 2016. So this was released like in the lead up to the 2016 election. And yeah, to give some background on him, because I think we need to talk about him as an individual, because so much of this film is him airing his grievances. And it's really an insight into the mind of Dinesh D'Souza. And he was a former political advisor to Ronald Reagan, you know, was a on Fox news and various news channels as like the conservative voice for years. 
ended up being the head of this like Christian college and he was in a scandal because it he had this long affair with another married woman. And then he was actually convicted of campaign finance violations because he essentially funneled money to this candidate going through two other people and he reimbursed them. A minor campaign infraction. Minor, <laughs> minor. Because you're, I guess you're only allowed to donate up to 10000 So he basically got his friends like, hey, you give 10000 too and I'll give you the money back. And he was found out and he was convicted. Uh, I think he had to spend like eight months in a halfway house and five <laughs> years probation. And oddly enough, Donald Trump pardoned him at the end of his presidency. And, he, you know, he also like has shown his movies in the White House, apparently. And at Mar-a-Lago, he would show... I imagine those are just playing to empty rooms. Like, <laughs> well, no, it's they, like I mean, <laughs> five old white ladies in zebra print, right, right. you know, jumpsuits. Sun damaged. Sun damaged. Just like, you know, yeah, yeah. So, in, so the beginning of Hillary's America, first of all, the movie really doesn't get into Hillary until like an hour <laughs> right. plus. It's barely it's a like factor. I learned <laughs> nothing about Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But it, it starts with him in this like halfway house and... It's so funny. He's the main character in the beginning of it. And he's surrounded by violent criminals. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's a scene where he's asking all of them how they got into the halfway house. And they're like, yeah, I I killed somebody. And I did this. And and they're like, so how'd you get in here? He's like, I gave too much money to my friend. Oh my and God. everybody is <laughs> well, just like, what? That's doesn't crazy. he try to like also make it like I didn't do anything wrong? It's because I made this documentary about Obama. About Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that's how he frames it. Like God. Obama administration, the deep state went after me. Start with a conspiracy right yeah. off the fucking bat. Yeah. With dramatic reenactments of this like evil oh judge my like God. just gleefully sentencing him to prison. <laughs> and it, it is more of a prison than a halfway house in the movie. Yes, like it looks absolutely. like you know hard time in jail yeah where like it doesn't make any sense because he learns from the prisoners how the democrats scam america right right and the metaphor is this like insurance scam which is definitely this like white collar crime and not this like violent thuggery that he's right. like portraying on screen it's like weird yeah. dissonance there yeah right and it like once he gets out of this halfway house he goes to the democratic party headquarters oh, the dnc headquarters Right, and the stupid. It looks thing, like a Scientology. Like, it does. Place. It looks like a weird museum. <laughs> yes. But also, like in real life, he did go to a halfway house for eight months. But he left during daylight hours. He was like, he had to be home between seven and nine every night. Yeah. So like, he was free to move about and do his thing. I'm sure it was like inconvenient and not no, fun. And, but, it, like, and it's funny reading about that trial where he like he pled guilty and he like <laughs> gave a statement to the court like, I regret what I did. I know it was mm-hmm. wrong. And then to watch this documentary that comes out. He's a political prisoner. Where he's like a political prisoner. And he's like, woe is me. It's shameful. So anyway, he ends up at the Democratic. He goes like into the basement to discover like the dirty secrets of the Democratic (laughs) Party. And then the next chunk of the film is essentially the argument he's making is the Democrats were the party of slavery and racism and Republicans never owned slaves and they present themselves as being this like woke, you know, for minorities when really they were the racist ones. Ignoring that like 
shit changes over like yeah. 150 yeah. years of political party. So what he's saying in that bulk of the movie is like factually accurate. Like, yeah, Andrew Jackson was a Democrat right. in like 18 whatever. That is not the way yeah. the party is anymore. And he yeah. just glosses over that. It's like he does it in a way, though, where it's like Republicans and Democrats were fucking like racist shitheads like in that time period. But he makes it like the Republicans are like violence. They right. want violence. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, we, we, we won't take they the land like, away violently. They were like fervent anti-racist. Yeah. 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 And, and like, yeah, we, we get it. Like Lincoln was a Republican. Of that time. Yeah. Do you want to talk about like the civil rights era and like what's happened since then? And like, yeah. no, well, we, no, we're not going <laughs> to we talk touch about that it. at not all. That. Yeah. And then so, also that like Abraham Lincoln, like was not a hero. Like he was like, oh, I, he just wanted, you know, black people to go back to Africa. Like that was his thing, well, which yeah, was fucking terrible. The claim that like Republicans did not own slaves. The rest of that sentence is at the time of the Civil War, which is like, <laughs> oh okay, yeah, oh. but like, well, <laughs> dial the clock back ten years. Well, and also the Republican <laughs> so Party formed later than the Democratic Party, so just the yeah. timing of it. Right, it was like the Democrats and the Whigs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, wi- the so Whigs. So even having to argue like this, like it feels like <laughs> no, I, and I don't yeah. want to even. No, right, right. No, but it's like I. <laughs> It's so frustrating having to dispute these points because they're so incredulously wrong. And by the time you start arguing with them, that's like you've already lost the game. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like yeah. the kind whole of the point. Trump era of politics too is like I feel like a lot of people don't even have to agree with what they're saying. They just like that it makes the other side mad. Yeah, like yeah. triggering the libs is more important than like any kind of you know. No, actually, that, that's like this whole point. film plays like that, and you know eventually. He start, starts to talk about Hillary and what I what I, <laughs> I I found some of the moments with the the younger Hillary, the actress that plays her is the most like grating, annoying version. <laughs> I, I found some joy in in that. That was just funny. And to how me. she was like a madam for fucking Bill Clinton. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what? The thing is, there are legitimate criticisms of the Clintons. Oh yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Absolutely. Sure. The way they handled the aid to Haiti, the Clinton Foundation yeah. mm-hmm. taking money from Saudi Arabia. You can make a list, but this documentary like f- drops the ball. Like the the chance it has to really like go in to the Clintons, he the line he chooses is more about how you know she's radicalized by Saul Alinsky and she helped Clinton her husband like find these women and sexually assault them like baseless. and how it was all her like because right. her end goal was to become president and that's why her husband became president like it was all yeah. her like stirring this and ruining everyone's lives right. the whole time. <laughs> yeah and like he oh she knew he would she would be able to use him because he did sexually assault women yeah but he she needed like someone to latch on to because she wasn't charismatic it's yeah, this it's like just- crazy like kind of very insane yeah but it is a very agreeable point and like i think in general the left is so disorganized because you it's this wide swath of people that like cannot agree with each other on different topics yeah. and like i also don't like hillary clinton yeah. i felt terrible voting for her at the time but like it felt necessary and in general i'd say all of these movies all the propaganda we're talking about today, I agree with like the main point, like some more so than others. Yeah. But, like if the main point of this is that the Democrats are like 
evil and Hillary Clinton is like one of the worst of them, like sure. But the movie has such a small minded scope of what that means. And like its entire worldview is the binary party system where it's like, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are Democrats and Republicans (laughs) and one is good and one is evil. Well, and that's how this film literally ends. I think there's a line like, you know how, you know, you've become a real American when you become a Republican. (laughs) There's that line. And it's like, you're going inside Dinesh D'Souza's head and it's filled with conspiracy theories and misunderstandings of history and personal grievances. And I think going into it, what I wanted, I wanted to kind of have it be so ridiculous that I could laugh at it. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately there's only the, the one moment I think that was really funny is in when Winston Church, not Winston Churchill, uh, Woodrow Wilson, sorry. Is oh, showing yeah. oh. the birth of the nation at the White House, and then the Ku Klux Klan <laughs> member comes off the screen and, he and starts. Him yeah, and he's chasing him outside the White House lawn. I was like, yes, like that to me, I can laugh at it, and it's ridiculous <laughs> and entertaining. But unfortunately, his style it lacks the humor of Michael Moore. It lacks like any narrative. Pull, like it made me feel embarrassed the whole yeah. time yeah i'm like ooh, and okay. i'm just thinking uh, like damn a lot of conservatives saw this and it's influenced them in some way and it just made me more disillusioned with where our politics has gone i laughed a lot in the first stretch to be honest because he is a charisma vacuum and he thinks <laughs> yeah. he's oh so cool God. and smart yeah, it was so jarring to see. It's like the way he talked about himself and his experiences. He was like this muckraker, like digging into the truth. Of, and he's just kind of like, I don't know, like ambling around through the DNC and like in the, he finds <laughs> like the portrait basement. of Andrew Jackson. Yeah, I just like, I had so much like disdain for him he's as a so person. He's so gross. Like there's a million reasons to like not like Hillary Clinton. Yeah. But yeah. what he focused on what a lot of like Republicans focused on it was all rooted in her being a woman and like oh how ugly she is and how Annoying like. Annoying her voice how dis- Yeah. And how she how stupid she looks with glasses. Like I, I just remember him like constantly putting like these Photoshop tweets of her you know during that like election Mm -hmm. time and i'm like okay like this is what makes this fucking gross and he's totally one of those dudes uh i will say what i found to be very funny is their look into what progressive is like progressiveness means Mm -hmm. how they're like oh yeah notice how the democrats aren't liberal anymore they're progressive and what does that mean and it's like rooted in like experiments and like, like eugenics. social eugenics. engineering yeah. and it's like wait well, like, that, that was they, they really wacky. go into um what's the name of the one she started Planned Parenthood oh, and yeah. they, they go yeah. into like oh she spoke at a KKK rally and the truth of it like she spoke to anyone that would listen right. like she essentially wanted everyone even if you're a racist scumbag to have right. access yeah. to help you know to birth, control birth control and, right so there's a lot of moments but like how that. Planned Parenthood is um, basically just trying to kill like the black race. Like, yeah, it's, it's just so stupid. And I, I mean, and there, it's like there was a eugenics push in the U.S. to like sterilize black women. Right. So it's like he he is connecting 
real events with like particular political ideologies as a reason to like be a republican as opposed to a democrat which which, is 100 percent why this is a propaganda piece where it's like you're you're taking some factual things and fucking twisting it to push your stupid agenda the only time the only time the propaganda worked for me was actually Oddly enough, like towards the end, oh my God. with the Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> come on, that yeah. was hilarious. And no, no, that no. little white, like, white blonde child. Yes, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying that like, it made me feel like made me tear up, or that was the first thing where I'm like, okay, if I'm like a Republican that loves my guns and I love America, I would watch that and be like, damn. I feel good walking out of the theater. Like I'm proud to be an American. I wanted to leave. It's yeah. <laughs> like I'm no, leaving. I, I, I'm not saying it like I earnestly felt, but that yeah. was the first time. Like, that's oh, effective. God. Yeah, I get. Propaganda. I forgot that this was in theaters. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can't. Could you imagine with that? Oh, that disgusting little audience. AMC Elmwood has 20 screens, and they play like a wide range of stuff. Yeah. So, like, you know, I'll go see an anime there, or I'll go see like an Indian action movie, and it's cool that they have space for that. Or but just they also use play a, a documentary. lot of conservative they bullshit. Yeah, like yeah. the God's Not Dead pure flicks kind of stuff yeah. plays there, and like oh, Nesh D'Souza yeah. documentaries. Like they're available if you want to watch them on the big screen. I'm not saying you should, <laughs> but I'm. I will say I'm very glad that we watched this because I had like no interest in seeing it, but like watching it. Like, a lot of the stuff that was talked about in here, I've heard, like, regurgitated verbatim from, like, oh, yeah. family members. And I'm like, oh, they totally, like, watched yeah. this and ran with it. I had one question. So, I was wondering, like, like who the audience is for all of these movies. And this film was so fixated on race in the Democratic Party. Like, yeah. uh, like, the first three quarters is, like these are the reasons that the Democratic Party is actually, like, racist and sexist. And the feeling... And this was released, like, right before the election, right? And his call to action is to vote. So my feeling was, like, it seemed like this was supposed to appeal to minorities that were on the fence about who... Or even that, like, didn't have a strong, like, political ideology formed to kind of like first of all convince them the republican party isn't racist Mm -hmm. like these are lies that you've been told by the democrats and also hillary is a piece of shit for her own reasons so for all of these reasons you should vote Mm -hmm. republican like i think that's why he's so popular yeah party because they have like an indian man yeah, who basically right. says the most racist shit than any of them say. Oh, totally. Yeah. Especially he, when Obama was in office. And he did focus on how, like, oh, the Democratic Party, like, is using the black community and is, like, preying on you. Um, that was, like, a a big thing, yeah. I remember, yeah. being part of this. So, yeah, that, also, that makes sense. Also, that, like, 12 Years a Slave-style reenactment of, like, that black pain. That was so disgusting. Yeah. Lots of whippings and yeah. just, like, torture. Oh, they had a lynching. Like, yeah, it's really hard and to watch. It's crazy, too, because, like, I feel like this film was technically okay like for a modest budget like, like for a pbs special of like the, <laughs> yeah the re i mean the some of the wigs stuff. were awful but like the quality <laughs> of it was not it looks like any like, pbs documentary you've ever seen like it's about that level of craft which i'm just fine yeah just fine yeah for what it is but i do i do wonder how much of this like influenced like how much of this is influencing people or is it just regurgitating what people already yeah Yeah. the Mm -hmm. echo chamber like Mm. especially going into that election like thinking like did this movie actually sway voters i think so because like part of why trump won is like 
Hispanics and the African-American community did vote for him in larger numbers than people anticipated. And white women. It'd be interesting to see like um, like the details of the marketing and like where they yeah. focused it more yeah, than other places. Definitely. And, yeah. But it had an impact. Like, people like him and Tucker Carlson and even Joe Rogan, even though he's like not as like capital R Republican as the other two, like they almost do worse than most pundits because they make these very fringe ideas sound reasonable and like mm-hmm. they frame it like I'm just asking questions. Yeah. And even he goes into this movie kind of pretending like I need to find out what's going on with these Democrats as if he hasn't <laughs> already made up his goddamn mind before right. I started filming. And like <laughs> since 2016 when this was released, I feel like these kind of fringe conspiracy theory ideas have only gotten worse and worse and like yeah. more mainstream. Yeah. And like even if it is an echo chamber just the fact that he has theatrical distribution for this like makes it look legitimate and not like just a fucking lunatic going off on a tangent. Like I said, if it's being shown in the White House, if it's like it's legitimized, being ta- it's legitimized, and that's horrible. Do you know what the Two Thousand Mules movie was about? I didn't look that up. So basically, the the mules are ballot stuffers. <laughs> the conspiracy oh is that like. The Democrats, through this non-for-profit, hired people to go and stuff ballot boxes in key battleground states. And from what I've read, it never connects the dots. And even like Tucker Carlson, I read, like, refused to talk about it on his show. Like, even people on the right are like... This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. We can't touch this. Like, that's very inflammatory. And we could, like, get a fucking lawsuit. But, of course, Trump loves it. He shows it at Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> like, "Hey guys, yeah. check this out!" Like, so in between the FBI raids, and and again, like January, people that are sympathetic to the insurrectionists have name dropped it. Again, it's like having impact. It's just, man, I think people like D'Souza, like. Sometimes I'm like, I bet you he doesn't even believe this shit. He just knows how to fucking like prey on people to make money off of yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, it's so ridiculous. He's, it just seems like he's it's like, so yeah, funny. Like, I can fuck with anybody. You you can watch footage of him. Like, there's a lot of debates he had with like Christopher Hitchens about religion. Mm-hmm. And he would be on CNN all the time. And he came across as like a level headed conservative. Yeah. And you're like, what changed? Like something changed from the like late '90s, early 2000s to where we are now. And it's like that conspiratorial thinking is now, like Brandon said, like legitimized. And yeah. how do you even? It's debate profitable because or- it gets people fired up. Probably, yeah, and they'll spend money on what they need to spend money well, on. I, I showed Hanna this clip. Up. I I did watch another one called the Trump Card, um, <laughs> and it it actually spent a lot of time talking about Obama. But in this documentary, the only thing I'll mention about it, he finds a guy that claims that in the late 90s, he gave Obama head, like he sucked Obama off okay. at a in a limousine, <laughs> and they did blow together, and then Obama showed up at his, his hotel, yeah, apartment the next day to like do him again. He and came do more. back for seconds. Okay. And the All guy, right. and the guy, but you look at a, within a two second Google search, the guy was convicted of like fraud like 30 different times. And he's, it's all a lie. Trying to sell the story that Obama sucks someone's but dick. But it's in this like documentary that is probably played at the theater that people saw. And if you don't do any research, you come away with it like, yeah, I guess Obama like yeah. sucked dick for Coke. And that is now 
perfectly fine. That would yeah. make him way cooler if he right. did suck dick. <laughs> God, I hope he did. <laughs> the point in that documentary is like, okay, th- we've nobody's ever heard of this guy, but Stormy Daniels, on the other right. hand, is uh, like on all these talk shows, and so mm. like, who is burying these stories? But it's like he's just not a credible source. Also, that kind of projection is like really funny in this too, where it's like. The entire thing is about, like, what if Democrats are planning to steal this election? Right. Yeah. Where, like, four years later, he is actively involved in trying to steal an right. election. Right. Same, same thing with, like, the, oh, Andrew Jackson was a Democrat and he was the worst. That's literally Trump's favorite president. He put he put a painting of him up right. in the White yeah. House. He loves Andrew. So like probably the same painting that was hanging up in the DNC headquarters. Yeah, it's all but long. yeah, the, the projection like and that that's what a lot of these grifters do. Same thing with Trump. It's also like a persecution complex thing where it's like you have lost the popular vote in every election for decades and yet you keep winning because of the electoral college so like you already have what you want like this country is gerrymandered to fucking hell where like the will of the people is overwhelmed by basically like congressional bullshit yeah and you are already stealing the election from people regularly what do you want? Like, what more power right. could you possibly gain except to win every single election? Which I guess is what the I think. Goal it's like, is. also just winning the culture war. I oh guess. Oh my god! I yeah. mean, I don't know. No one likes us. <laughs> you can't have everything and be liked. Right. Like, you can't have both of those things. I'm glad that y'all seem to somewhat have enjoyed the journey. I don't know if we're any smarter for it or more. Oh, I, I think I'm smarter. Yeah, I, I don't know I'm not going to say I enjoyed <laughs> well, the journey. I, I learned, but I, I think I got smarter on this because I'm like, this is what, this is what everybody's talking about. Now I get yeah, it. Yeah. Now I'm putting the pieces together to see how this shit blew up and became what it is today. So you, you got to see the tactics of the other side. Like if I can enjoy a Michael Moore movie and recognize it as some good liberal propaganda, then you got to sit down and watch a Dinesh yes. D'Souza movie and see it for what it is. Right. But he just isn't as good of a filmmaker mm-hmm. as people on the left. Yeah. Sorry. I do think like the best propaganda, the platonic ideal of propaganda would be able to convince anybody like it's so persuasive that even if you were diametrically opposed to it, it would if even if it didn't turn you into a convert, it would at least make you rethink your position. Yeah. Um. And Dinesh D'Souza did not accomplish this. Um, <laughs> and in I, this I movie. do think Michael Moore does that though. Like Fahrenheit nine eleven was a hit. Yeah. yeah. And, or if it's about Bowling for Columbine, I love. If it's yeah. about gun control, like very effective propaganda. That if someone's on the fence, you could see them being swayed. Yeah, I, I agree. Like that's that means you made good propaganda this is just preaching to the choir but he is pushing people further down a path yeah. further to the and that does right, raise yeah. money and get attention right. and gets people fired up yeah so, like it's still effective but just like in the worst way right yeah just like radicalizing people to go into the extremes for me it seems kind of obvious that there's been a complete reversal in the roles of who's ostensibly the good guys and who are the bad guys. Right now we have evangelical nationalists pushing a theocratic agenda in the United States and making great headway to take away people's reproductive rights, uh, 
endorse corporal punishment in schools, uh, spread pseudoscience or otherwise reject a scientific point of view in really undermining liberal democracy. So at this point, there seems to be an apparent intuitive grasp of what Satan can mean in a heroic context. And I think you see that vindicated in the film when you see how quickly we've grown and how, how much that kind of iconography has resonated with people. They instantly seem to grasp it. Some people don't, of course, and, and object, it out, object to it outright. But we have seen that you know, it speaks to people in ways that we could have never predicted from the start. Speaking of propaganda documentaries, let's get into Satanism. Hail Satan? Hail Satan. <laughs> Question mark. Which is important to how like, I think everyone probably felt after watching this. Um, is a 2019 documentary by Penny Lane. Um, Penny Lane has done like, this is the first documentary of hers that I've seen, but this is her jam. And she seems like a legit, like, awesome person. She was a big voice in trying to get the Vax documentary banned from the Tribeca Film Festival. That was basically just pure anti-vax propaganda. I'm glad we didn't watch it for this episode. <laughs> we did kind of take it easy after the D'Souza a little bit. But this sounds like if you're watching any D'Souza documentary, you'd have vax somewhere out there. Right. So this, before I even start talking about it, like I don't know much about Satanism. I'm not a Satanism expert. I don't know a lot about the, the Satanic Temple. Um, I just know, like, you know, bits and pieces here from like heavy metal stuff so i learned a lot in this one um this film starts out with a group of folks who are members of the satanic temple and they are trying to troll rick scott who is governor of florida and <laughs> um he is a, a big voice of you know trying to put like prayer back in schools so this group of satanists like go to party city and get a bunch of like costumes like really cheeseball robes and um you know demon horn plastic costume pieces and they go out and um have this really publicized very tiny like little congregation where they're like hail satan and hail rick scott um, <laughs> thank you know thank you rick scott basically trying to be like you want prayer well then you're, you're gonna have our prayer as well in your schools and thank you so much for this um and i love there's this fabulous part where someone in, who's like an onlooker is like you're gonna go to hell and the guy's like yep all right i'm looking forward to it <laughs> looking forward to it um <laughs> Which kind of, like, I, I think that's important because then it's sort of like, well, what is Satanism? You know, is it, you know, you're pumped to go to hell? Yeah. And you're wearing these cloaks and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of isn't. It's just, it's more of like an idea. So the it kind of, the big thing in this documentary deals with a Baphomet statue um, and I remember whenever this was getting erected and like mm -hmm. the national news that covered it um, and this Ten Commandments statue. And the whole thing is if we can have this Ten Commandments statue, then there's no there's truly no separation of church and state. So let's erect this Baphomet statue because let's have everything and not just one thing. And there's just a lot of things that we follow the Satanic Temple doing that they're they're kind of 
trolling, but like also pushing people to think like, well, let's have an after school satan Satanism program, <laughs> you know, like, and then everyone freaks the fuck out. But at the at the same time, it's like, well, this is what happens when you have religion and school in, in public schools and things yep. like that. So it kind of got me thinking and I'm like, I don't I, I don't think I'm a Satanist. But I keep forgetting his name. Um, so Lu- Lucian Greaves, yeah. who if there was if I saw that guy in public and didn't know who he was, I would know he was a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> Just the name and the yeah. like one eye, the glass yeah. eye. Yeah. Um, I love. I don't know. I I found him. I found him charismatic. He just seemed like a, a fun a fun dude. Um, and he loves to rub his nutsack on tombstones. Was um, it like Rick Scott's mother or grandmother? That yeah, he like ordains her. The Westboro West Baptist yeah. Church. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> right. they're the worst. Yeah, right. That was that whole scene. I thought was super funny. I just remember like seeing pictures of it when the event happened, but yeah. I didn't know the purpose behind it. I'm like, yeah, rub your nutsack on that Westboro Baptist bitch. It was a ritual to convert her to, to Satanism. Les- a lesbian. Yeah, yeah right. Because <laughs> it, it, it went back to show like, you know, and it's a wonderful life. Like every time you hear a bell ring, an angel gets their wings. And they're like, we wanted to, you know, put that as, you know, every time a same sex couple makes out over your grave, <laughs> you become more of a lesbian right. in the afterlife. <laughs> Let's add to that magic. Um, which I thought was brilliant, but I think it, I kept thinking like, does this serve as like a true propaganda piece? And I think it, I don't know. I still don't know the answer. Yeah. It, it kind of does to a, a little bit just because I'm like, I, I don't know enough about the background of Satanism. Like it just seemed to be purely positive, but I'm sure there's some horrific shit like any other religion would have that, mm-hmm you know, wasn't fully brought into this and they were just peppering all the good things. I mean, I'll say it was effective propaganda because as soon as it was over, I went to their website. Yeah. And in that, I think it's a a card holder now. If it's a recruitment thing, then 100% (laughs) effective. I came very close to joining the People's Temple, (laughs) uh, the Temple of Satan, uh, whenever this first came out. I mean, I was kind of sympathetic to Satanism already, but this kind of put me over the hill. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I struggle with that too, right? Because it, yeah. it, it's like, so Penny Lane is not creating documentary after documentary about Satanism. Like, I, I kind right. of looked a little bit at what she had done, and she, uh, and she, it just seems like she's like very interested in like niche kind of human interest stories. Like, she had this documentary about. Um, people with this like rare kind of affliction where they think like string is underneath their skin it's like it's called the pain of others but you know i was also very interested in the satanic temple after watching this but i also feel like i kind of relate to the people that they showed like those are the kinds of people that i would like to spend time with so i think it's hard to like there has to be a line between Making a documentary about a group that you're sympathetic to, yeah, and making propaganda, you know, and I don't really know where this falls, but I think it's definitely not in the same ballpark as like Dinesh D'Souza by oh, any no, means. No. But but again, if what's the aim of your propaganda? Mm-hmm. If if it's just to get people to go to your website and donate and maybe join, 
then this feels about as effective as yeah. this any got of the me films fired up. Like yeah. both times I watched it, it was like you you already said culture war earlier when you were talking about the Susan. Like that's what I think of immediately with this, which is like conservatives and Christians have so much power in the public space where like yeah. even saying that you're an atheist is like a political maneuver. Mm-hmm. Like that basically disqualifies you from running for office or doing yeah. all kinds of stuff in the public sphere. And it's just like so thrilling to see a group of people use their tactics, turn back on them and actually like tap into the, this nation's legitimate history as like a secular collection of people. And like, it feels like a breath of fresh air to finally see someone like find a useful way to combat yeah. like conservative tactics in the yeah. culture war. And I don't know. I, I I think I'm the one that floated this as propaganda because we couldn't find like a fourth movie we were satisfied yeah. with. And I guess the reason I think about it is not necessarily because of the way it was made, like mm-hmm. the creatives behind it, but just the fact that it fires me up and gets me like yeah. politically motivated to do a very specific thing. But there's so many documentaries that like Contagion, you know, that, that I think that was the documentary about the um, that fire in, and it's like exploring the um, political system of this like Eastern European country and how corrupt it is. Like, I feel like documentaries are intended to make you feel something. Yeah. yeah. So I, I just, I don't know if you can call every documentary that has a call to action propaganda. Yeah. Like, I don't think Penny Lane was trying to turn people into Satanists. Right. And they also like, the other thing about like Dinesh D'Souza and, um, another documentary we're going to talk about is they the main characters like the heroes are shown as unimpeachable and that's not the case in this documentary like there are schisms between mm-hmm. different groups of people do you know? think the girl who's like banished comes out looking good in that conversation i think there's I mean, some like, damage control there i i mean i don't know like they're satanists like you're supposed to say the most inflammatory yeah thing and like the fact that she got kicked out, but like I don't agree with like violent right. violence as an answer to anything. Yeah, and so like they're a much more like politically mindful group than they were. You know, obviously when Anton Lavey was yeah, it's a whole it. separate thing, and I feel like that's like another way in in which this is like an advertisement for this new Satanism, right? <laughs> where like Lavey's yeah. stuff was very selfish and like self indulgent. Yeah, I, I mean, because he wasn't. This is like I I think like there's the Satanic Temple, uh-huh. TST, right, and then whatever Anton Lavey, the Church did of was, Satan, was it was just two totally different. Things. So I I will admit that especially in college, like I was really into Satanism, just like reading about it, and like actually on our bookshelf here, I have the Satanic Bible, oh. um, which I've read. It's interesting, but like the first iteration of Satanism with Anton Lavey was kind of gross because it was really tied to like Anne Rain ideas of like individualism. It's like no institution or no religion can tell me what to do. I am my own person and I can drink as much as I want. I can screw who I want. I Mm -hmm. can destroy people that cross me. I am my own God, essentially. And that's like appealing to a 20 something year old libertarian liberty kind of yeah. libertarian metalhead that's like fuck yeah that's how i feel obviously i don't feel that way anymore and this modern version of satanism that is more aligned with 
I think it's more socially conscious in a way that's actually like progressive and yeah. and cool and more aligns with my like current political beliefs. And so that's the appeal of modern Satanism to me or the Church of Satan. Yeah. Because it's gotten it's gotten away from the gross individualistic mm-hmm. yeah. stuff. I think that you know, I view this more as like an educational piece where I'm like <laughs> it shed light where I didn't feel like this was saying go be a Satanist, Brittany. It was more like this is actually what it's about. This is the big players in the satanic temple and here's a little bit about them and how, why they're doing what they're doing. It gave me context to yeah. a lot of just, you know, big headlines that I've seen over the Publicity past few stunts. years. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not interested in joining a religion. Um, you know, and I get it. I guess it's it's good to like be within a group of like-minded people. That's what religions are all about. Um, but I think like what was interesting to me, and I don't know if it was part of their trolling, but just the part where when they like erected the um, Ten Commandments statue, and he's like, "Yeah, cool, great, keep it," and then we'll put ours here too, and it's great. Yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting to me. Like, I hate this idea of how some people don't have that context and it it's almost reminds me of like the immature boys that you know i went to high school and like college with where they were just like yeah, christianity sucks and i'm gonna go put bibles right. in, the, in the fiction section and blah, blah, blah. and it's like okay man just like let people do what they fucking want to do and right. you know that's the goal is just everyone's gonna believe differently than you and but but i do think ultimately it sucks ass whenever it's there's a religion that's oppressive but I think ultimately the goal, and you know, the documentary is hail Satan yeah. with a question mark. Yeah. Because I think their goal isn't like we want all religions represented. We want like a Buddhist statue and a well, Muslim. I, I think, think like they're just trying to make that point of like. But I think it's really it's like it, it has to be one or the other. Either everything gets represented yeah. or right. nothing. All or nothing. Or it's yeah. truly a like secular space. I think what they honestly want is separation of totally. church and state we don't want yeah. any religion in the public sphere so yeah. and i think they make that point beautifully yeah and i agree with it and it, like you're seeing it it's happening in texas like they just passed something where they have to have in god we trust in every single school yeah, and they've sent out like, posters and like what are we doing like it's a it's a lot of stuff that wasn't in like american paraphernalia until the 50s like cold war yeah red scare stuff and this movie I, I think that's where it's like best as a documentary is like providing that historical context. Yeah. yeah. And like the fact that the Ten Commandments were shipped out by um, <laughs> Cecil B. <laughs> oh DeMille God, yeah. to promote a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Which was so funny. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it just got me thinking about that. Like the whole all or nothing situation where, yeah, it's cool for people to learn about everything that exists. But whenever you put shit like this in schools, like, come on, if you like teach every fucking right. religion known to mankind in school, it's overwhelming right. and it defeats the purpose. No, the real That's answer you, is it's don't have any of it. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I think that if, if there's a call to action, I, th- I think it is like, you know, in terms of religious freedom, like I'm not a religious person. Right. So there I have no like religious um, requirements that I could impose on anybody. And it seemed like, you know, the point was d- don't let the religious requirements of other people like there are ways to try to mitigate this like within the system that we have so it's not so much like everybody should be a satanist it's like you don't need to be complacent about like christian theology impacting your political life i guess i saw it more as like a direct recruitment tool like 
please come sign up and join this <laughs> church. Like, find your local chapter. As soon as they got to the D&D section, I was like, oh, uh, I got <laughs> yeah. I got to sign up. These are my people. Well, it, yeah. it tickled me because, like, they had a really good point in there about atheism and, like, the difference between atheism and Satanism. <laughs> There's no like, community. Because like, oh, right. yeah. atheism yeah. is just a rejection of something, and it's like an empty void. And it sucks because religious people get to have their rituals and their social yeah. environment. Yeah. And like that essentially, I think all Satanists are atheists that just yeah. want like some community, want to hang out with some people and do some like ritualistic cool shit. It felt like less like anti, anti this, anti that, where it was more like, oh, um, yeah, we don't believe in that. But like, what can't we do? to like yeah change it man that's, which i thought was cool that part where they were cleaning up the beach it was just well, they're like cleaning up the rest <laughs> <They're pitchforks laughs> yeah. pick up the trash i will say too they have a great sense of humor oh, honestly yes yeah. and that's what i really like yeah that's what appeals to me is like um i will say what it. was one of the most interesting parts of this doc for me was the creation of the baphomet statue oh, and how yeah. they like did all like the molding of like right. the like all that plaster and stuff and i'm like oh my Made me feel so claustrophobic. It's a legit awesome yeah. statue, it's, by the it's way. But it was so cool. How to compromise that. Like, just talking about how, like, Christians have this persecution complex where, like, they get to decide what's acceptable as, like, public right. discourse. Mm -hmm. And, like, even in doing the Baphomet statue, they had to, like, they couldn't oh, give we can't them titties. show with breasts. It's like... Right. They had to use Iggy Pop's torso instead <laughs> of, like, the traditional, you know, woman's right. torso, which I is crazy. I think that's what this movie just fires me up with, yeah. is just, like, how much... I have to self-edit yeah. in public and like how thrilling it is to watch someone like not right. do that for a change. Yeah. Dress up as a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird stuff. Yeah, I don't know how I felt about very that. Strange. Yeah. I wanna I wanna be a better Satanist after watching yeah. this every time. Well, there you go. <laughs> I strive to improve my Satanism. <laughs> I'm just happy that I I have like a cool understanding of it. And it's like, yep, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. I, I just like that. You if I Glenn decided Coco. not to join the Church of Satan, they wouldn't really care. No, they wouldn't yeah. give a shit. Like, that's that's, fine. that's what I like. like yeah. just don't try to interfere right. in yeah. my life. It's just kind of, it is what it is. Like, we're not going out. And I think everyone's perception, everyone is like probably people that watch like that fucking D'Souza documentary, think that like the purpose of Satanists are to take down other religions. And mm -hmm. it's like, that's not really it. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They just want to do what they're doing. Yeah. The tenants in hail satan i feel like i was agreed with if it is propaganda it was very effective propaganda um the movie that i chose also has themes that would like i would be primed to be swayed by this documentary and i hated it so much <laughs> it made me so angry and it was uh it's what the health it was uh released in 2017 it was directed and written and produced by a duo, Kip Anderson and Keegan Kuhn. And I, it, they own two distribution companies or like a film company and a distribution company. And they produce and write and direct a lot of like movies about agriculture and conspiracies about like the agricultural industry um health and the environment um kip anderson was inspired initially by an inconvenient truth that was his like spark mm. to make these kinds of movies so they've made like cowspiracy they i think they made a new one or produced a new one seaspiracy and 
so what the health, the kind of undercurrent is advocating for a vegan plant-based diet. So uh, Kip Anderson is kind of questioning the dietary recommendations of these major cardiovascular organizations like um, advocating for cardiovascular health. Uh, He talks about the American Heart Association. Um, He talks about the American Diabetes Association. And he's like investigating animal products and their effects on health and like building this conspiracy that the agricultural food lobbyists are in bed with these larger um, institutions of health who are also in bed with the pharmaceutical companies, (laughs) Um, you know, focusing on keeping Americans unhealthy and then treating their um, health conditions with uh, drugs as opposed to like using preventive medicine. So I'm very interested in health. I I agree with veganism as a philosophy and a lifestyle. I do think that the agricultural industry is horrible for the environment. Um, and it is driven by profit as opposed to like maintaining the health of people. But this documentary is just like absurdly, just absolutely biased and extremely misleading and uninformative. <laughs> and poorly made. Yeah, it's yeah, also yeah, very poorly made. It has a horrible, a horrible graphics. I like the animated uh, graphs. I did like yeah. those, but uh, Kip boy. and and the the main uh, guys, Kip Anderson is like so. Vacuum. He's such an asshole. He's like <laughs> so like he presents himself as this like very naive like just innocent. asking questions yeah he's just asking questions <laughs> to like the receptionists yeah. at like the american yes. diabetes he association he's like so why do you have these like these recipes with red meat on your website and the poor person is like I write that. I, yeah i yeah. don't know and they're like oh well i'll have someone call you back it's like oh you heard that they're gonna have someone yeah, like, yeah, because they're not the person you should be talking to. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the same shit. Like oh Michael Moore did that a lot in his documentary. He would show up at the office of the thing and security I hate stuff like that. But like this guy does it in such a pathetic manner. Yeah. He just like calls, yeah, the front desk, and they're like, uh, "I don't have the answers to your question." And then it becomes a conspiracy. Yeah, right. like, or like every fucking time, or like he'll just jump to really strange conclusions, like um, the fact that. You know, like KFC and Taco Bell and stuff will like sponsor the American Diabetes Association. Yeah. And he's like, you see, they're in cahoots. And it's like, actually, that's probably just like public good, like right. tax write off yeah. charity. Well, that's stuff. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Like corporate, um, like Starbucks does that all the time where it's like, oh, we're this very like socially conscious yeah. corporate. Like that's all it is. I mean, and it is, I guess, kind of nefarious. Like, yeah. But. <laughs> I don't know. He doesn't really go into it. Every in scene is like I've complex. I cracked the case yeah, wide yeah. open. It's like gotcha. you found nothing. Something's not making sense <laughs> here. I caught you yo play and Susan G. Komen. <laughs> yeah, and you're yeah, I mean, and wearing your well, that's an again, awful yeah. organization. So like, and the and I feel like there is some there's there are a lot of similarities between this documentary and the D'Souza documentary. And part of it is like it it's not like everything in this documentary is not true. And he does talk about like the envi- the effects of the agricultural industry on the environment and mm-hmm. how that disproportionately affects people in impoverished communities. Like that's absolutely true. true. But 
along with those things, he's saying things that are just absolutely ridiculous or intentionally misleading. So one thing that he harps on over and over again is that red meat is a category one carcinogen, which is in the same category as like tobacco and cigarettes and like plutonium or something. And, and, he, and eggs. Too, yeah. Apparently. And he's constantly bringing this up like, why do these organizations have these recipes on their websites <laughs> with red meat, which the World Health or Organization has classified as a Category 1 carcinogen? And what that means is there is significant evidence that this product is related to cancer, that it is a carcinogen, but it has no bearing on the effect that it has. So, like... The severity right. of it, yeah. So, I, I was looking at, like various people that were uh looking at this documentary and like if you eat red meat every day for the rest of your life there is a slightly higher probability that you'll develop cancer but it's like up one percent if you eat red meat for the rest of your life so it's like he is hinging all of his arguments on these like minor misunderstandings yeah. and like just scaring people unnecessarily just launching this is what i'm saying it's like poorly made just like no structure to this yeah launching immediately into these like factoids that make no sense right it was like eating one egg is like smoking five, five cigarettes yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. i do love the footage oh my of God. the children with the cigarettes oh, and the, uh, yeah the one uh, like propagandist and all this list who actually went for um won't somebody please think of the children right having these kids eating these like oh. cigar hot dogs yeah she's like yeah. she's oh. like cooking up the cigars <laughs> in the pan <laughs> no, just like with the studies too, like there's so many studies right. out there and you can cherry pick and he cherry pays like, oh, well, there was a study from this institute that said this and like every year the meat industry kills this many thousands of people. That's right. like seven, nine, eleven yes. every year. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's like, <laughs> that was if my- there was a terrorist organization that was killing that many people, we would be on the manhunt for them. I love that that's like a unit like, of what? measurement. It's yeah. like nine, it was but like it's, four, It's relentless. Like, right. Yeah. It's the metaphors. thing is, at first I was like, a lot of this shit sounds pretty accurate and yeah, uh, but like the... And then when he starts talking about sugar, like, sugar is not the problem. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I it is, man. Yeah. But then it makes you not want to, I'm like, if you're not putting the effort in to, like, truly being unbiased with this one fucking thing, like the egg cigarette shit, right. then why the fuck would I believe anything else coming out of your stupid right. mouth, Kip? It is yeah. such a, like, <laughs> Kip, <laughs> Mr. Kip. It is such an assault on the senses. Yeah. It's like. These talking heads, he has, you know, his talking heads. He's don't trust that, that man. Give it like a 30 second sound bite, then yeah. another factoid, then another study, then another like little graph. Like and that, then over and over and over again. What's the combo he had with that old man? And he kept going, I can't talk to you about that. And you could totally tell. Oh, the tell American it, Diabetes Association. Yeah. You yeah. could totally tell it was heavily edited. And right. he's probably like, I can't fucking talk to you about diet because I'm not a goddamn dietitian. Right. But Just like, like he, it would stop and stop and it right. would repeat and repeat where he was like, I can't talk about it. Yeah. I can't talk about it. And he, so if you go on the What the Health website, he has links to all of the sources for everything he says, like second by second. And he emphasizes in the documentary, like these NIH studies and like studies from reputable sources. I mean, but the thing is, nutrition science is like, I mean, we still don't have great ways of studying nutrition um, because it's hard to like, do a longitudinal study where you have a person eat red meat for their whole life well, and, and then 
There's so many environmental factors, right. too. So, but he'll have links to these cherry-picked studies, and then he focuses on this one guy, Michael Greger, and his, like, nutritionfacts.org. Like, that is the source that he uses the most out of everybody else. And th- he's the guy with, like, the craziest um, conclusions. Okay, there are two more things that I want <laughs> that I want to say. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, second, he uses a lot of, like, appeals to emotion. He is using a lot of like fear-based logic it's it's all of the like he has a uh, graphic of like planes crashing into the ground like this <laughs> oh, is how wild. the number of people that die of like cardiovascular disease <laughs> there's all the people that ate eggs yeah, this morning it's like 11 <laughs> boeing 747s crashing every second yeah. you just see planes crashing and his uh. s- source for that is the Boeing 747 Wikipedia entry, which is very funny to me. Um, <laughs> they exist. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the I think the most irresponsible thing that he does... So there's this disclaimer at the beginning that's like, this is meant to entertain and inform. You should yeah. always talk to your doctor before you make any you know health-related decisions. So he, fo- he focuses on these three people throughout the documentary Ugh. who have a variety of ailments. Um, one woman has asthma... Um, uh, hypertension, um, pain problems, depression. And at the end of the document, and the way that they're shot, it's like these drab, like gray. They're like, one woman is on a walker and she's yeah. struck. Hips are literally right. bone on she, bone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so he, he follows up with them at the end, and they've been on a plant based diet for two weeks. And Weird. it's bright, sunny, <laughs> saturated, beautiful. And this woman is saying, I can walk again. I don't need I, any of my medication. I grew a new limb. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is so fucking irresponsible Snake to put that salesman. in a documentary. I, because, like, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. Go, 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 <laughs> no, girl. Just, like, the, <laughs> Let's tear Kip up. people that need to take multiple medications. And, you know, I am not a proponent of medications versus non-medications. Like, conversations with your doctor are th- that is where you will yeah. you know come to a conclusion about what you need to take for your health but people on multiple medications are the kinds of people that will watch this documentary and think i can eat a plant-based diet and i don't have to take my blood pressure medication anymore yep Ooh. it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. dangerous it's almost like he sh- he does a lot of shaming on people like yeah. you know you're ignorant because you're taking all these pills and you don't know the truth right and i find him so fucking triggering so like I mean, as a fucking fat person, like, he's totally one of those guys that would, like, just piss on me for existing. Yeah. And that's kind of what he's doing. He's like, yeah, fat positivity is going to blah, blah. Every and I'm doctor like, he interviews is just like that, too. All yeah. of them. And it's like, that's a huge thing, especially like, for fat women. Like, anytime you go to, like, the doc, well, I mean, I have good physicians, thank God. But yeah. I, there's been times where I've gone and they're like, yep, got to check you for diabetes. And I'm like, y'all did last time. And right. I still and don't I have, it. have it. Yeah. Um, but there's yeah. just this assumption that you have to piss on people just for, like, breathing and, like, living in the same universe as you. just for that and i'm like god kip is totally totally one of those dudes you know so the last thing i want to say this is okay so he's making this point throughout about like these recipes being available um on on these websites so i at the end of the documentary i thought i wonder if he has recipes you know that he he's (laughs) talking the whole time yeah. Yeah. yeah 
uh, about these plant-based, you know, that's the whole point of the documentary. And he does for a subscription of $14 no. oh a God. month. There it is. You get, there's yeah, the grift. But only $100 a year. You oh, get personalized recipes oh, delivered to you. Thousands of oh, personalized recipes. And I guarantee recipes. you those recipes probably have highly processed plant-based products. Right. Preservatives and stuff. That yeah. are fucking yeah. with like soy and shit like that that's horrible for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just what a like turd. he made this documentary from his distribution. It's like, and I feel like propaganda, in my opinion, is so based on the control of somebody's perspective. And like, it's a red flag to me when someone is making documentaries from their production yeah. and distribution company, and when they have a product to sell you after the documentary yeah I, even Horrible. though i it's like a televangelist yeah like, i i think like i'm sure if people ate less meat and i don't know what like right meat is a sometimes treat it's not like the yeah. cornerstone of no, your diet it, you shouldn't yeah. eat meat every meal and I, I want people to like be healthy whatever but like this is just as much of propaganda and a grift as dinesh oh D'Souza. yeah yeah the, I put them in the exact same. They're equally realm. smug and in love with themselves, right, too. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm sympathetic, too. Like, I think we've watched some of these, like, PETA documentaries, like, showing what happens in slaughterhouses, and it's deplorable. And it's yeah. horrible. And it, you know, I went vegetarian for a while because I couldn't stand the thought of it. So I'm, like, sympathetic to it. But man, this is, like, so manipulative and wrong and not factual and just, like, the worst side of propaganda and honestly i'm kind of like upset at netflix that's what right. makes me angry because netflix yeah. does yeah. this like same thing with the goop show and they oh, push God. these like <laughs> kind of like anti-vax or yeah and then you have all these celebrities like exec producing yeah, that stuff so, like, like yeah this was joaquin yeah. Phoenix, and it's like and netflix seems to be hands off like well right. you know it's gonna get clicks and put like a silent disclaimer at the front about it being um entertainment not information but like most people watch netflix like looking at their phone or folding their laundry they're not right. actually paying attention to the screen 100 percent of the time so you yeah. are very likely to miss that disclaimer right i just hate how like it's, it's such a mean-spirited documentary too where some people just have genetic issues that give them heart problems and things like that and this is almost like well it's your fault because right. you're not a vegetarian so and, and you can fix it yeah All you have you, to do is just this you could cure your diabetes oh, man. if you did a plant-based what, what diet. i don't understand too is like he keeps pushing oh we're america's the most obese it's ever been and this and that but isn't life expectancy also the highest it's ever been? So I'm like, what are we and getting at And it's confusing, too, because, like, I don't know. Like, part of me is like, what the fuck do, are people supposed to eat? Because mm -hmm. then there are other, like, things that are like, oh, corn is bad for you because right. it's genetically modified and you shouldn't have wheat and carbs are bad for you. And if you have lettuce and the lettuce is too green, that means that somebody, some, someone did something. And I'm like, what the fuck right. is everyone supposed to eat? Yeah. Well, also about labor, too, like. When I went yeah. vegetarian, mm -hmm. I was reading a lot about, like, how do I get these vegetables for so cheap at Winn-Dixie? Yeah. I get them because it's on the back of, like, migrant labor. So you look into anything when it comes to food, and it's probably going to be unethical. So I don't know. You yeah. just got to make those decisions, you know, how and you see fit. At the but. end of the day, too, it's like, it's also, he's coming from a very privileged lens, too. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he I doesn't live in a food desert. and. Right. 
he, you know, I mean, not everyone has the ability to go and like constantly that, like spend hundreds yeah. on fresh produce. Well, and, and shit. that scene when he goes to the grocery right. store. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's She's, only twenty bucks yeah. to feed a family for a week. Right, and they don't what? show you what they got. Two tomatoes. <laughs> you have to pay fourteen ninety nine, and then he'll, you'll get the secret with right, his recipes. That's true. That's true. I just gotta bite the bullet. <laughs> fucking kip i don't know I, I respect vegans and all that but oh, this totally. is like yeah. the worst side of veganism and yeah all that i, I kind of want to think about effectiveness here for a minute though because like yeah. dinesh d'souza did not make me any more republican yeah uh the satanist documentary did make me more of a satanist mm-hmm. um this movie actually did make me think like you know a few years ago i quit eating beef and pork like entirely and yeah. i've been like more and more sliding on that like you know yeah i I enjoy a steak once a year you know and like watching this i'm like i've been eating more meat lately (laughs) than like i usually do and maybe i should yeah well i think that's the thing that makes me so angry because you could make an informative documentary about this that is reasonable and helpful and they don't like they make it this like this horrifying scary thing like eat cheese you're basically doing heroin yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that was insane (laughs) yeah like there are plenty of good reasons not to eat meat or to like limit your meat intake everything's fear-based yeah Yeah. right and they don't offer any alter like they don't actually show you how that can be incorporated into your life unless you like get behind this paywall which is like that is so predatory to me like a a recipe subscription it should not cost 14 dollars a month i just it's like i'm a fire alcohol (laughs) alcohol and sugar okay right i like that uh cheese heroin I don't yeah. really. Yeah, well, and they had that visual where yeah, it's, like, it's like you could just eat rice and spinach, and you would have all the nutrients oh, you need. Oh God, I don't want to eat rice and spinach. <laughs> you would just be like blowing <laughs> ass everywhere you go. Am yeah. I tripping, or was there a graphic where a man eats a piece of salmon and then turns into a bear? <laughs> does that happen? Yeah, in this? no, 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 that was like. <laughs> <It does happen. laughs> was I yeah, tripping? Yeah, you because it's like you are. You, yeah, that's wh- you where they're talking. Like you're yeah. not. We're not carnivores. We're we're f- frugivores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He like it's like a Xavier Renegade Angel level like computer graphics. <laughs> so this man transforming into an animal. Yeah, bizarre stuff. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I. I think that was the angriest I've ever been on this yeah. podcast. <laughs> 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 this was good though because it was like propaganda about a cause that I'm kind of sympathetic right, yeah. to, but the like film itself undermined a yeah, message absolutely. that I kind of agree with. Yeah, but- didn't you say you found this in the wild too? Like you just started watching yeah, it. Yeah, like- I started watching this. I think when it came out in 2017, and then I got to the part where he started calling these places, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't what I thought it was," yeah. and I just turned it off. Like I did. I never watched the whole thing. I-, I wouldn't say he shouldn't have a right to make this. Yeah, but it should be on YouTube. Right. And not on Netflix. Yeah. And <laughs> Netflix should be ashamed. Yeah. Netflix and- also released their next movie, Sea Spiracy. Oh, so, wow. I, yeah. So it seems like they're Must on. Must have done some numbers. It, so yeah, I watched Sea Spiracy, and it's very similar, where it's yeah. like the tuna fish, you know, businesses are in it. And it's like, oh my God. Yeah. The whole thing about the conspiracy with the, you know, pharmaceutical companies and the World Health Organization, what, like, that's just capitalism. Like, right. make a documentary just saying capitalism sucks. 
that's, and that's the, the point of most documentaries. Yeah, no, <laughs> that way. that's the system Isn't we're this in. Bad? Like KFC gives money to the Diabetes <laughs> right. Foundation because it looks good on them and yeah. tax write-offs. They, yeah, tax, yeah, and they take the money because right. it will help with research and and they'll put their chicken and their recipes as a kind of a quid pro quo kind of. Yeah, it's scummy. But that's like the system in politics and in food and so. Yeah. yeah, this made a documentary about how capitalism is evil. Well, talking about like effectiveness, I I kind of went off the beaten path a little bit because we're talking about a lot, a lot of like recent pop docs. Um, I chose a film from 1971, but it actually was one that like inspired a gay liberation movement in Berlin at the time. So it actually was a call to arms that had like a real world effect. Uh, it's called "It Is Not the Homosexual Who Is Perverse." But the society in which he lives, <laughs> which is a documentary from Rosa von Pronheim, um, much like D'Souza and Kip, uh, <laughs> which I, who I will not dignify with the last right. name. Uh, von Pronheim uses a lot of reenactments in this. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think it's almost entirely reenactments and multiple layers of voiceover narration mm-hmm. where like there's no actual sync sound in the film. Yeah. You just get these different narrators talking at different times. And he is documenting in a way what gay life looked like in like early 70s Berlin, just following around this guy, Daniel He's a fictional character as he like comes to the city um, from a small town and like gets swept up in gay culture. Uh, He gets married to another man. Then he decides that um, homosexual marriage is like a uh, perverse imitation of heterosexual institutions and just like not tenable. And then he sort of like falls into a more of a hookup culture thing where he like sort of filters through leather daddy hookups in the wilderness. Um, he becomes like the houseboy for a, like an older rich man, an older rich yeah. man who like takes him to like art parties and like buys him fancy clothes. Uh, he becomes a waiter downtown. So he like hooks up with all the people he works with. Um, and then also, you know, visits drag bars and basically just like living a life of individualist pleasure and sort of like living off of crumbs. And it's the whole movie is made from the perspective of this gay filmmaker, but it almost comes across as like homophobic and transphobic at parts because he's mocking the assimilationist bourgeois ideals of the gay community at the time. And it's basically like, we need to wake up. We need to stop being in the closet when you stop cruising for sex in tea rooms and like drag bars and like actually go in out in woods. public <laughs> and find solidarity with, he says the black Panther movement with women's liberation. Yeah. Like we need to like not assimilate with heterosexual normative culture. We need to radically transform it and overhaul it. And the movie is basically Marxist propaganda. It's got this hard left, like everyone should be a Marxist and, enjoying art is bad (laughs) even though this guy is like a fringe filmmaker he's basically like art culture is bourgeois bullshit um we need to tear it all down and start from the scratch from the ground up i found this movie fascinating it's both like oversteps its bounds a lot and it's kind of infuriating in how it portrays gay culture as being ridiculous and like frivolous but at the same time a lot of the images and just the people and the fashion and like the places it documents are like preserving that culture for posterity. Mm-hmm. And like, it's really cool that like that vision of like seventies gay Berlin is still available. Yeah. So it's both a 
legitimate documentary in a roundabout way, but it's also very much a propaganda piece for like Marxist liberation. Yeah, yeah I, I felt conflicted because I was like, man, these seem like a lot of gay stereotypes. I couldn't tell if it was like but- a satire. It, there's an element not. of camp to it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he is kind of like, it's like he is psychoanalyzing the particular gay subcultures and like, mm-hmm. this is why these people dress up in this way and like, this is the part of their identity that they're trying to escape or like, like comment upon. Right, and like the fairies um, kind of yeah. irk people because of this and like, yeah, and so that's where I was sort of like uncomfortable with I was like, ooh, are you... Where are you coming? What angle are you coming at it from? But as like a living, breathing document of that time, I that's what I thought was fascinating. Just like the fashion and like the scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Getting a handle on the intent is difficult with this one. Because like- but I, I do think the intent is clear in that final the scene. The final scene is basically a switch to right. the yeah. camera. And that like that's when it became clear like, oh, this is like a radical revolutionary idea of what yeah gay life can look like tear it all down but like there's a sarcasm to it a little bit where it sounds a lot like 50s hygiene films those like cold war like yeah you should brush your teeth for what it's bonds. like it's like <laughs> subverting that it's yeah. subverting like because it's german and like i know germany made these kind of movies about homosexuality and jews to demonize them so yeah. it's kind of subverting that style of documentary for its own well, like revolutionary the most famous purposes. propaganda film of all time, if it's not Birth of a Nation, is Triumph of Triumph the Will. Triumph of the yeah. Will, yeah. I was, I, I think we all watched this on YouTube, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the only way you can it. Really is so it is so vibrant. Yeah, yeah like, really I was is. shocked where I'm like, wait, shit, this is it? Like, it was so, like, yeah. the colors and the vibrancy of everything and all the beautiful outfits, like, that in itself was like, yeah. I fucking loved it for that. Yeah. That whole package. That first bedroom scene with the like bright red floral wallpaper and like the lacy curtains. Like, I don't know. That was like genuinely, it was beautiful and also kind of genuinely tender. And I don't know. This this movie was hot, honestly. It was. Yeah. It was hot. <laughs> when they had that one where, um, that they were just focused on that guy's crotch while he was like unbuttoning yeah. the his jeans. Oh, it's like, and then he, there's the bulge and all yeah. this kind of Definitely stuff. And I'm like, this bulge. is, yes, it was great. And then there's that long sequence where the sound completely yeah, drops yeah, yeah. out and we just yeah. watch oh. him hook up with leather daddies in the in woods. The, yeah. Me, yeah, me and Hannah, we, we thought there was like a technical glitch where like, yeah. did we mess up something with the sound? Like, it's been I love that because that the silence was so deafening with that where it just, like, for me, that felt like how this is so secretive. Yeah. yeah it's so yeah, undercover. Yeah. You're in the woods. You're at night. No one's truly making eye contact. No one's talking, but we're all here for the same reason. Ugh. But to like... But so kinky. To go that long and to take that sensuality, like, very seriously, it's mm-hmm. like, how is this not a celebration of the very thing that right. you're saying is like, frivolous and you know politically detrimental to your freedom you know what felt like such a beautiful scene too where that where i felt so conflicted with what the meaning of this was is when he's talking to all his his friends and they're in that purple room together and they're all like half naked just like living and having a beautiful moment i'm like oh this is kind of (laughs) nice but yeah but that yeah that final scene to me is like the statement of the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, the thesis. And I like I found myself like nodding my head. I was like, yeah, I Yeah. I get it. Like I agree with this, but thinking back on the movie as a whole, I don't know, it, I just had like 
conflicted feelings about it. Like maybe I, intentionally, like it's just supposed to be provocative and like mm-hmm. waking you up, it's making us think. Yeah, and we're in twenty twenty two. Yeah, I just didn't quite. I don't. I don't know. Like I agree with the message. I liked it. The film was just complicated. Yeah, this was like a complicated propaganda. You know, I think all of the scenes were beautiful and and even when and I do think it's like glamorizing all of these trysts and making but I think part of that is just showing the humanity in all of these people and like whether they're like dressed whether they're like leather daddies or like fairies or like the guy at the pool like they all did have this melancholy kind of aloneness and at the very end, like that is the most communal moment to me. Just six in the naked film. men in bed. Yeah, just like <laughs> lounging and gazing. Yeah. So it's like 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 it's not demonizing the way of life that these people have found in the meantime, because I think it does have a lot of compassion for gay men in Berlin. Yeah. And just showing them like you are you m- might be unhappy and there is another way to live. One thing I find kind of funny about that is like the one part that did feel very demonizing is um, the tea rooms, like public urinal oh, yeah. sex. <laughs> and like he keeps saying like it's shameful that we're that we're hiding in there and like it's like a disgusting pit. It's like spending hours in there trying mm-hmm. to like cruise. Um, and it's almost missing the point that like the like shame and like uh, humiliation of it is actually part of the kink the for a lot of people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't feel like he sexualized that. That's why it still happens yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like he like sexualized that as much as he did like right. the leather daddy hookup. Like you don't go in there and watch people hook up on the toilet. Right. Um, right. But he did that for every other scenario. Yeah. This should have been a bathroom blowjob as long as <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm like getting at whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I kind of I just feel like it's nothing is cut and dry where maybe that for some people, maybe they're like, you know what, I don't like you know living my life like this i want to yeah but some people might be like i love right. it i love the kink to it it makes me happy it's warm it's cozy and well, i yeah. like it well also so i mean there might be a lot of gay couples that want to be in a monogamous thing and stay together so yeah i, I know, think the movie does look at them in, with disdain though with disdain right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I, you know I, look how I boring think is, he is <laughs> assuming a lot about like the particular like i can imagine daniel being a real person and really feeling kind of unsatisfied but his experience does not encompass the experience of every gay man in berlin yeah and i think it's kind of unfair to say like this is the gay experience now for every person Mm -hmm. you know like it's it's not realistic and it did seem to be coming down like this more polygamous open kind of thing as opposed to like you know the monogamous thing that we're all raised to believe is that's the default yeah. it's the default yeah. but i think that does work for a lot of people and it works mm-hmm. for a lot of gay people so to kind of i i just don't know if i like ultimately agree with its thesis yeah necessarily but it's not one size fits all yeah everyone's and i don't do know enough way. about marxism to really like get at it from that like political angle just something about it felt it was like 80% of the truth, but there was something kind of missing for me. I do think I would have been, this would have worked for me if I had watched this as a gay man in uh, Berlin. I would have been yeah. like, oh, yeah. I had to remind myself that I'm not a gay man in Berlin <laughs> after I finished. 
And there's a lot of people now that like still fit into the category that he is like deliberately trying to provoke here. Yeah, like, yeah. The the Mayo Pete's of the world would be basically the exact target audience for this. Yeah, um, and it worked. Like he actually like this movie had a direct impact on gay liberation movements at the time, which I find kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Because you watch a lot of these documentary movies, and like we were saying earlier, they're kind of echo chambers, right? Uh, and not actually like provoking people into action. Yep. Um, this one had like a concrete real yeah. world effect. Uh, I do want to like just kind of defer to two sources that I feel like are more experts on some of these topics. I found the Rosa von Promheim movie through Elizabeth Perchel, who directed that Ask Anybody movie a few years ago. Um, and she has been programming a lot of von Promheim stuff this year. Like in New York City, she did a retrospective um screening series and like i don't know if you follow ask anybody on instagram or I twitter do. yeah you told me about it love it yeah yeah there's a lot of just like queer cinema that like does not get officially platformed like you said it's kind of crazy that this is on youtube in such good quality but is not available commercially in any mm-hmm. way it's nuts um so yeah follow elizabeth at ask anybody and then also for the d'souza stuff I've listened to reviews of at least four of his movies on this podcast called Michael and Us, which started as this ironic Michael Moore podcast, and then they ran out of his movies, so they just started, (laughs) did this, like, leftist bent um, political documentary podcast now, and, like, they've covered everything D'Souza does as it comes out, and Mm. it's um, a lot better informed, I think, about, like, the culture war bullshit that he is participating in, and, like factually checking him on a lot of things like they're a lot better equipped to discuss the style of movie (laughs) than i am Uh, and i think michael and us is a good listen do you think we'll ever return to this subject is there anything more to mine out of propaganda pieces probably i I, I think it's something that's gonna be in the back of my head Mm -hmm. like it's kind of always been in the back of my head any political documentary i watch just like this is propaganda it's trying to make me feel a certain way, have a certain political idea. How effective is it? Do I agree with it? Do, I, I think just being aware is really what I wanted mm-hmm. to like call attention to. But it sounds like we're pretty astute watchers, <laughs> maybe, and we can kind of see bullshit. Oh, totally. For what it is. Yeah, like I said, I agreed with like at least the vague main point of most of these movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even the D'Souza one, like, I didn't really want Hillary Clinton to be the president of this country. Right. Uh, but, you know, based on the alternative, yeah. I voted for her. So I'm complicit in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel a lot smarter about, like, everything. I feel smarter about really understanding, like, this bizarre push um, before the, the 2016 election. And I feel smarter about, you know, the TST, the Satanic Temple, you know, bur- gay culture in Berlin. Mm-hmm. I, it was like, and, you know, fucking Kip. Fucking and it's vegan shit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, but I, I don't know. I just feel like I got like more, a bigger perspective um, through all these different lenses. And then it kind of, you know, I had like these cool moments of myself where I'm like, yeah, what do you believe politically right. and religiously? And, you know, um, yeah, you should, you know, shouldn't eat as much meat probably. And, uh, <laughs> leather daddies are still as cool as you ever thought they were Brittany. so you know it just got me <laughs> thinking about everything yeah. so they still kind of worked as documentaries to you it's just like yeah the d'souza and kip ones were like documentaries about the people making them and not like yeah. actually the 
facts, quote yeah. unquote, that yeah. they were like putting forward. I didn't feel motivated to do anything. That's what <laughs> I'll say. I felt motivated to take Kip down. <laughs> we but must bring Kip. him <laughs> I do, down. I guess what I do wonder, though, is like, could there be a right-leaning documentary that could maybe change my opinion about something if it was more well-made yeah. than Dinesh D'Souza? Like, I think that's the thing on the right. Like, if that's the best that they have... I mean, you're it's not going to convince anyone on the left to like change sides or to change their opinion. I th- so I think you're unlikely to watch that, like, li- like genuinely engage with it. Yeah, I think they have a much more effective pattern with entertainment. So, like, the U.S. military working with the people behind Mission Impossible or like a Marvel movie mm-hmm. well, is like, a lot more yeah. like insidious. We were originally we we're going to talk about Top Gun. And how that's like American propaganda, like that kind of soft propaganda is like very affecting yeah. in a way that like a Dinesh D'Souza thing will never be. And I think that, yeah, I think that is extremely effective propaganda because it's not presented to you as nonfiction. It's mm. like, oh, this is just a piece of art that we made, but doesn't this make you feel a particular way politically? Like if you're not associating that with somebody's agenda, then you like your mind might be changed um, subconsciously. Yeah, it's like you pay more, you think about it more because you know someone's not trying to sell you on something. Yeah, but they are. When I left Top Gun, I was like, man, jets go fast. <laughs> the American military is badass. It's, good. Like, it's these vague feelings of nationalism, right. and I think that's more insidious. And I and to something Brandon said earlier, like. I think Joe Rogan and that kind of like, I'm just asking questions that has influence on people that are moderates or on the left to kind of like bring them over to the other side. You platform everyone equally. It just makes things look more legitimate than they are. Yeah. Netflix also guilty of this. Netflix. Yeah. yeah, Like we talked about. (laughs) So horrible. Well, next week on the show, we're watching a movie that was on Hulu, so they are not culpable for Netflix's crimes. <laughs> I love Hulu. You know, that is my mainstay, to be totally honest. I'm a Hulu fan as Hulu and It's the one Disney thing I have positive feelings towards, really. <laughs> we're going to talk about the new Predator movie, Prey, the prequel of mm. set in the Comanche Nation, I believe in the 18th century or something. It's, like uh, yeah, this, I think it's 1717, maybe. But 1700. You saw it? Sure. I did see it. Is it good? And I really liked it. Hell yeah. I actually had never seen a Predator movie. That was the first one I ever saw. And it's chronologically the first one, technically. Wow. Um, and I thought it was really cool. Um, it is just this badass uh, Comanche uh, Native American woman. Uh, she's uh, just very cool. The Predator is very cool. And then I watched the first Predator. And I... Besides the um, Arnold and his mud and his traps, I kind of liked Prey better. I don't know. Nice. That might be sacrilegious to say. No, I would agree with that. Yeah, cool. That was never my favorite Arnold movie. The original yeah. Predator, like the beginning is so muddled of, yeah. as to what the mission is. Like, And it, there's a lot of violence, which I guess is cool, but I never have any concept of like, what the hell is going on? But when it's like Arnold and the Predator one-on-one, yeah. it's pretty legit. But yeah, the- Prey, I thought was really, really yeah, well really done, like it. simple story. And I think you can watch it. I may, I may be wrong because I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I believe you can watch it dubbed in Comanche. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can. Yeah. How okay, cool. I'm not wrong about it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs>
And that's from the director of 10 Cloverfield Lane. Yeah. It's like a second movie. Yeah. Which I liked too. Yeah. Nice. And in the meantime, check out swampflex.com. I post reviews every week. <laughs> in between these longer conversations, uh, which are a lot more fun, honestly. <laughs> so no, don't go to the website. Yeah, what was I just talking just about? Listen just to, tune back listen in Listen to us. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.